0: which players could be on the trading block for the new orleans pelicans what does stability mean for this team having it this off season and when would the pelicans actually pay the luxury tax it's a mailbag friday episode of locked on pelicans let's go you are locked on pelicans your daily new orleans pelicans podcast Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, at NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts, and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, we're gonna do a mailbag episode of Locked On Pelicans. Three questions from our listeners here. Let's answer them as we start to really get into the offseason. We got a whole lot coming, so don't forget, make sure Locked On Pelicans is your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week for y'all, breaking down everything you wanna know. About 20 minutes every day, Pelicans Talk, tackling the topics that you wanna hear. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. You can now do that on Spotify. So if you listen there and you wanna support the show, Five-star review on Spotify goes a long way. So let's dive into it. Let's just get right on into your question. So put out the call for the mailbag and you all delivered. So this segment, this question is basically which guys could be moved? Which guys are on the trading block? I don't have a Twitter name for this because like a million of you texted this one in. And I think it's an interesting question that's going to lead into the next one too. So I really want to use this. Who's potentially going to get traded? And I think there is potential for a trade to happen, right? But for the most part, this roster seems set, right? You know what the starting lineup is going to be. It's going to be Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Valanciunas, Herb Jones, and CJ McCollum. You know that Jose Alvarado is going to get minutes. You know that Trey Murphy is going to get minutes, right? That's seven guys Already, Jackson Hayes is your backup big. That's eight guys already. There's not a ton of wiggle room. And then if you throw in Larry Nance Jr., that's nine guys already, right? So there is some stuff there that you could kind of move on from. And that leaves two people, I think, in particular. And that is Devontae Graham and Kyra Lewis Jr. Devontae Graham is the guy kind of at the top of this list because he just underperformed last year, Right. 34% from three is is not good enough for what they're paying him and what they gave up to go and get him. 12 points per game on, you know, basically 11 shots per game is not great efficiency. It was okay assisting the ball, but there's very real defensive limitations there. And the contract is very movable. A team might be interested in something like that. Um, So they could get off of it. And it's not like he's owed a lot of money over tons of years. He's probably a negative asset to a certain degree, but I don't think it's really that bad whatsoever. The other guy is Kyra Lewis Jr., right? You know, the injury and what that's going to look like when he comes back from that, suffering it in December, so should be ready around the start of the year. But to be honest, and I'm asked this question a lot of like, what's he going to look like next year? I-, I didn't think he looked that good before he went down with the injury. Had some moments here and there, but overall, I don't think he looked anything special. Now, he's a second-year player, right? That's not necessarily an active knock on him. Should he look all that good? Probably not. He's still a young guy who's one of the younger guys going into the draft, but I didn't see the turning the corner. We always, it, not we, because I didn't do that. With Nikhil, right, whenever he'd have a good game or three games in a row of decent enough play but nothing special, people would be like, he's turning the corner. The light's coming on. He's figuring it all out. Just looking for positives in a guy that, you know what, frankly didn't figure it all out, and that's one of the reasons why he was traded. And I started to see some of that with with uh, Kyle Lewis Jr. People trying to kind of make bigger deals over his performances when they weren't all that good. Has moments here and there, certainly, right? But nothing consistent, nothing that made you look at him and be like, that can be a solid backup guard. So I think he could be on the move, too. You know, if you end up making a trade and shipping out, say, Devontae Graham, you know, and a pick, and I'll get into that in a second here, you know, you might need to throw a young player in there to kind of balance that deal a little bit and, like, take a chance on Kyra. There's upside there, and there is, right? He was the 11th, sorry, the 13th pick in the draft. So there's no reason to think that maybe there isn't upside there. So I think there's a chance that he, those two guys could get moved because I think they would like to upgrade their guard depth a little bit and bring in just someone more consistent, maybe more of a point guardy, a true point guardy kind of guy. But they don't totally exist, and I don't think the Pelicans absolutely need that. Maybe just another guard that can shoot the three more consistently would be great. But right now, at the very least, I wouldn't trade the eighth pick in that deal. You know, let's say it doesn't change in the lottery and doesn't move. I wouldn't trade the eighth pick in that deal at all. I would keep that pick and I would try and trade a future pick with it. So if they don't end up making a move because a team wants the eighth pick, I'd probably stand pat, even though I don't love this draft, and kind of figure it out from there because I do think cheap guys on this team are going to be important because this team's about to get really, really expensive. So when looking at guys that could get moved, it being Devontae Graham and Kyler Lewis Jr., unless you're getting an absolute like stud player back, I'm not including that eighth pick in it, and I'm going to try and include a future pick from the Bucks or someone like that, or even a couple of seconds in a future pick from the Bucks, something along those lines, to try and kind of balance that scale a little bit more and get the type of player that you want in without giving up as many assets as possible. Um, so keep that in mind as you start to kind of formulate trades and things like that. I don't think it's really worth moving the eighth pick in this draft whatsoever for a marginal upgrade over Devontae Graham and or Kyra Lewis Jr. But those are the guys that I think could be traded. You know, maybe Jackson Hayes in some capacity, depending on really how you feel about Larry Nance Jr. in his role. But again, I don't think he's valued very highly around the league. I don't think there are teams looking at him and being like, yes, I really, really want Jackson Hayes. He didn't show a ton, right? He had moments, but there wasn't a ton when he was out there dominating. He was a nice starter at the four but basically somewhat unplayable in the playoffs beyond like 15 to 20 minutes that's limiting it so I don't see teams taking a flyer on Jackson Hayes who's about to be a fourth year player knowing that you're gonna have to make decision on paying him or not so because of all that Devonte Graham Kyra Lewis Jr those are the guys that I think could potentially get moved this off season but kind of saying this out loud right there's not going to be a ton of turnover with this roster first time they haven't really had that in a really long time that leads to stability. There's no coaching search either. Let's talk about what that means for this team coming up next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Look, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I eat one of these things every single day, and summer is coming. And with summer, you're going to need some food for the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kid's backpack. Make sure everyone has a bar so you, you are refueled for your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with built bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. I get sugar cravings. I'm really cutting down on a lot of that stuff and feeling really good about it. But every now and then, I have them, and it was like I'm recording this. It's 11:15 right now, and around like 10 o'clock, I had a craving for like candy bar, just sugary stuff. Cut a built bar in half, and I ate part of it to kind of satisfy that craving while still not eating something terrible for me after 10 p.m. And if you haven't tried Built Bars or the Built Puffs, then the puffs are delicious. They come in crazy flavors like, uh, banana cream pie And even churro and Who doesn't want Their protein bar To taste like a churro I have a box of those And only 140 calories So they put taste first They're delicious If you eat a protein bar You may as well Eat the best tasting one And that is going to be Built Bar So go to built.com Check out the macros 130 calories 4 grams sugar 4 net carbs 17 grams of protein Compare that to a candy bar or any other bad thing for you Built Bar is going to win Every time So go to built.com Use promo code lock 15 And get 15% off Your next order again That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off over at Built.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Monday through Friday, no paywall. Been here doing it for six plus years now. Long, long time. 200 plus shows during the season. It's been a lot of fun. The show is doing better than ever. It's a great time to be a Pelicans fan. So tell a friend about the show. Spread the word about Locked On Pelicans. So there's no slowing down this offseason. We're not taking breaks. Still five days a week breaking down everything you want to know about the offseason and this Pelicans team. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Saints. Host Ross Jackson breaking down everything black and gold. Tyron Matthew back. This defense looks good. Is there? Are they building a different kind of culture in the locker room too? He's covering everything black and gold over at the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross is Awesome. You really got to listen if you don't already. All right. We're doing a mailbag episode A Locked On Pelicans today. Thank you to everyone who sent in their mailbag questions. There were a lot of good ones. This one comes from Raymond Reeves, at Raymond E. Reeves. For the first time in years, he says, there won't be a major shakeup, GM, or coach. Thoughts on how stability will help this offseason? This is a great question. I want you to put on put on your, your thinking hats here for a little bit and when was the last time that the pelicans got off to a a good start to the season we know what they were this year right one in 13 three and 16 bad it was rough last year not much better than that they won five games seven games before you got to um february so the first month and a half of the season they won seven games that's not good what about the year before that one right when <laughs> Zion was, it wasn't it was playing. Nope, not a good start either. You can go on and on and on. Slow starts seem like the norm for this team, right? So when you look at that, a lot of it is because they've been turning over the roster. In the first year under David Griffin, bunch of new starters, new players coming in. The second year under David Griffin, bunch of new starters, bunch of new players, new head coach. Third year under David Griffin, Bunch of new players, bunch of new starters, new head coach. So when you saw this team this season struggle, you could tell they weren't all on the same page. They didn't have chemistry because, frankly, training camp preseason isn't enough time to do that, particularly when you're kind of blindsided by a Zion injury and you're trying to integrate new players and you've got a new head coach trying to institute a new offensive scheme of .5. So all of that really takes away from getting out of the gates fast and getting off to a slow start, which you're in a hole and now you're just trying to fight to get out of it. And usually for the Pelicans, that's been a losing proposition for them. So now going into this offseason, you know who the starters are going to be. They can be working out together. You know who your head coach is and already what he's going to expect from you all and what he wants you all to work on. That means you can go and do all of that, right? At the end of the season, the front office and the coaching staff gives players a list of things they want them to work on in their kind of free time when they're not with the team. Well, you can't really do that when you don't know who's going to be here next year, right? When you've had three, four different starting centers in three, four years, well, what's that starting center supposed to work on to improve your team, right? When it's a different guy every single year. So now they get to do all of that. Now they can develop that chemistry, and this is where it'll particularly help them on the defensive side of the ball, is playing in those five-on-fives in Nashville or wherever it is that they might be. Doing all of those things, I think, big time help a team like this. And look, the in, in an ideal world, they're integrating Zion back, and in a few weeks, he should be ready to go. And if he says he's going to work out with the team and be around the team this offseason, like he says he will, right? Well... You probably need to get him a bunch of reps with the guys that he's going to be playing with. And finally, they're going to really be able to do that. And those guys already know from what to expect from one another. I think all of that is just huge, just big, right? Look at what happened to the team after the trade for CJ McCollum. They lost a bunch of games, right? They lost a bunch of games right after the trade for C.J. McCollum. They went one and four during that stretch, right, of the trade for C.J., once with him in there, because he didn't know what to do with this team. Him and Brandon Ingram were not on the same page. You saw the offense be like, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go, I go. And then after some time to kind of work together, they rattled off four straight wins right out of the All-Star break. They managed to close the season strong and get the wins that they needed to get into the postseason. Well, there you go. It showed you everything you needed, right? Getting some time to work together is big, and that's what they're going to get to do this off season. It also probably means guys are a little bit more comfortable, right? Like, all of that stuff is just so massive for a team that doesn't want to get out to a 1-13 in 13 start. If they don't do that, and they're just kind of peak Pelicans this whole season, right, with CJ, what are they? They're not in the playing tournament, probably. So if you could avoid all of that, I think that's, Something that's going to help you be a non-playing tournament team. Potentially fighting for four. but Potentially. Let's not get there just yet. But all of that out of the way, you know what your rotation should look like. You know the guys that are going to excel. Jose gets a little bit more run with some of these guys. Trey Murphy gets to show it off a little bit more too. Establish the rotations. And you don't need to figure things out in, You know when the season's going on. Getting all of that trial and error and stuff out of the way early... Do it, it's not gonna impact your wins and losses as much, or your losses I should say, as much during the regular season. The stability of a head coach, of the players, everything absolutely massive for what this team hopes to achieve next season. All right, coming up, the luxury tax. When are the Pelicans gonna pay it? if ever. Let's break it down. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info, so you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses. The Kentucky Derby is back. You know you're going to throw something down on there. Go look at the odds. BetOnline.net has the best ones. For you, So BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week and have been this whole season, even when the team was bad. You love the Pelicans? I do too. We're talking about them here on a daily basis basis but i will tell you i will always shoot you straight good or bad when it comes to this team so subscribe tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment now make sure you go check out the locked on nba big board host Raphael barlow of nba draft junkies and the author of the nba big board newsletters joined by richard stamen sam ferris thulin giving fans an in depth look into the nba draft mock drafts player rankings and of course big boards it's free and available wherever you get your podcast as part of the locked on podcast network all right So, another mailbag question, and I liked this one. This one comes from NOLA Analytics, at NOLA Analytics. Oh boy, LeBron James would call you a dweeb, and Bob Ryan probably hates you. Listening to national media people, he says, there seems to be an opinion the Pelicans would never pay the luxury tax. Locally, it's been said they'll pay it, quote, for a contender, end quote. Do you have insight on what this, on this, or what a, quote, contender might mean to ownership? So, they're not going to pay the luxury tax for just any team. That is correct. But I do think national media is wrong that they won't ever pay it. I don't think they'll pay it consistently. And so one of the things to look at with the luxury tax is it, it hurts teams. It's going to make your, 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 your stuff, your roster, really expensive. And that's by design. It's designed to kind of create some league parity so the team that spends the most just doesn't run away winning, which always doesn't happen anyway. And the thing to kind of keep in mind about it is the longer you're in the luxury tax, the higher the cost gets. So when you go into the luxury tax the first year, you pay dollar for dollar everything over a set amount of money. So for every dollar you spend over the luxury tax threshold, you have to pay another dollar. And then the next season, if you're in there for consecutive years, instead of it being one-to-one... It's one, one and a half to one, then it goes to two, then it goes to two and a half, and so on and so forth. I forget what the actual scale is, but you get what I'm saying. You can be at a point where you're spending five additional dollars for every dollar that you're spending. That hurts. That's expensive. That is actually cost prohibitive to a lot of teams. But the Pelicans, paying that one to one for a special year, they think, even maybe one and a half to one, could absolutely do that. We've seen that they are not the they're not like throwing money around left and right. They are cost controlled to an extent, but I wouldn't call them cheap. Look at all of the money that Gail Benson has invested into this franchise since David Griffin's taken over. They renovated to the tune of five to 10 million the facility. They've spent money. You think Trajan Langdon was cheap to bring him in here? You think David Griffin was cheap? Not at all. Those guys cost a lot, to win cash. All of them. So they have spent money sending Zion on a private plane, right? The the Sacramento Kings, when they made the DeMarcus Cousins trade, made those guys that went to Sacramento fly commercial. New Orleans flew out the private jet for him, right? She's shown she's willing to spend. But what does that, what would she spend it for? A team that's a play-in tournament, not a chance it's it's to be honest it's not worth it it's not even my money and i'm saying like you don't need to do it i'm not in favor of like saving billionaires money i think they should all spend the tax they have enough money to do it for the most part right but i get they're not going to do that for a playing tournament team no for you know a sixth seed probably not fifth seed probably not this would be a team that probably has gotten to top four in the western conference and look poised to be at least in the conference finals. So one of the final four teams left standing in the NBA. That's probably the threshold. I think you could be like, you know, go to her and be like, look, we pay the luxury tax, we get this person, we re-sign this one, or we dip into some of the, the exception money and it pushes us into the luxury tax, let's say. So we need one more piece and here's our guy and we can go out and get him if we spend. Well, I think if you can really make an argument and they see that this is a team that has you know, at least a 10% chance of getting to the NBA finals, they would do it to keep some of their core guys together for a little bit. I think they would do it too, but that's probably meaning you're kind of getting close to that kind of contending standpoint. I don't think it's a team that's like NBA finals or bust. I think it's could be a team that's like, we really expect to be in the conference finals. And at that point, who knows whether we win or lose, but we're going to have a chance. And so I do think that's when they would spend it. Would they spend three years in the luxury tax? Unless you're making the NBA finals every year or the conference finals every year, I'm not sure. And all it would take is one kind of disappointing playoff run for that to maybe get broken up a little bit and want them to save some money. But that's kind of where I see them spending that money. And that's what I see being a contender is. Being able to claim that you'll are one of the you be one of the four best teams, let's say, in the NBA, should that be the case. And look, with the core already set of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, and some of the other pieces, right? I don't think that's unrealistic to happen in a couple of years. I don't think this happens next year. I don't think they'll spend the luxury tax next year. I think they would need to win a playoff series before it's even on the table. So there would need to be a little bit more consistency and success before you convince ownership to get to that point. But it's possible. Get to the second round and be like, all we got to do is add one thing and show what that one thing is, that player, and go out and make it happen. And they're going to be close. They're going to be really close to the luxury tax now with their salaries. And we'll get into some of that maybe next week, maybe the week after. Once the kind of the lottery is set, we can really start focusing on what the offseason is going to look like and where the Pelicans go from there. So next season is going to probably be a bit of review on players looking at guys that are kind of the intriguing ones. Jackson Hayes is a good example of that. And we'll get into kind of how the offseason works. What are exceptions, right? What is the luxury tax threshold? What are, you know, some of the the soft cap and the hard cap? We'll explain all that so you all have a primer for the offseason as as well so that's going to do it for this episode of locked on pelicans thank you all very much for listening as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter i'll be back with y'all on monday